Recorded live. Tip radio number 14 starts now. Hello and welcome to Hacker Public Radio. Let's meet our roundtable of geeks tonight. Azmuth. Oh, good evening, Monster B. J-Man. Hello. Claw 2. Good evening. Art V61. Hello, Monster B. 330. Ahoy, ahoy there, chap. I'm Monster B. And let's see. Oh, I just wanted to let you guys know, too, we have a bunch of listeners that are coming from iTunes. So I... Nice. Yeah, I just want to tell these people with iPods and iPhones to uh, go to hackerpublicradio.org and check out the other great shows. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones over there, like Demo and Bust by Sigflup. That's Talk- a really cool show. I'm yeah. constantly amazed by that one. And uh, Talk Geek to Me by Deep Geek. I mean, there's a bunch over there. If you can't sure. find something you like, then there's something wrong with you. There's a lot of active uh, people over there lately, like Phoenix, Ken Fallon, Thistleweb, Lost in Bronx, and even our very own Claude, too. I haven't been active on there at all. Oh, jeez. Well, you're posting all those, like, self-interviews and... Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, you're right. Better explain that. Sounds like he's interviewing himself. Yeah, that's uh, Southeast Linux Fest. And Ohio Linux Fest lately. Oh, and we forgot Pierre 64 is not here. What the heck? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Is there a a kangaroo between him and his computer? Because, I mean, I could understand then, you know, those things are nasty. But he's listening, though. What kind of crap is that? Oh, he's listening? Oh. I don't think you should really be allowed to listen in if you're a host and you're not on the show that night. Yeah. Yeah, Peter, you Sheila. Yeah, I'm just going to go through my emails um, that were sent to. uh... (laughs) (laughs) I got one from Denny. I'll go through all of them. Uh, This one here is from Denny. This is, uh, he's sending this to monsterbee.org. Just submitting my blog and website for consideration on monsterbee.org. It's, wow. uh. People actually petition you for, like, a spot on that place? Oh, yeah. It's a OpenBSD news tips and tricks for newbies site. Let me post the link in the in the chat room. It's a pretty good site. Uh, the address is. Like it's polarwave.openbsd101.com. Uh, and I'll put that in the show notes. Have, have you played around with OpenBSD yet? No, I haven't. I downloaded it, but the the latest one, but I haven't tried it yet. I mean, is it just a difference between like OpenBSD and FreeBSD, like you know, from Slackware to Fedora, or is it something much more like substantial than, than that? I mean, like, are you going to be lost when you fire up OpenBSD? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I downloaded it, threw the disk in the in the uh, computer, restarted it. And just went like through the installer up to the where you would partition yeah, your right. hard drive, uh-huh. and it seemed really simple. Okay. So, but it's it's got the port system and and the same type of packages. Oh, okay. I don't think you'd be lost if you tried it. And how do you say this name? J O S. Is that Joss? Jos. Okay. Sure. This guy, he's from the Netherlands. He writes in to let us know about KDE Camp 2010. 
which will be at the University of California in San Diego, January 15th through the 22nd. And the address for that one is camp.kde.org. And they're actually holding a contest right now. If you send them an essay, it only has to be like 300 words of like how KDE has completely and utterly changed your life, uh, then they will consider you for a free, so they'll pay your way out there uh, to go to KDE camp. Really? So, cool. yeah, I submitted, so don't anyone else submit, so I'll win. <laughs> yeah, I want to go to this thing. It'd be really neat, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, it'd be a nice little vacation. Actually, I really hate California, but it would be it would be cool to be at the, the camp. Yeah, well, and I'm, plus I'm thinking about the weather. That's true. San Diego, I'm trying to think. San Diego kind of gets a little bit cold, but not not like not like cold like you know it, I guess. All right, let's move on to the stories. Uh, first up is Azimuth. Oh, okay. Well, uh, we've we've kind of touched on uh, on this, I think, the INX, and uh, I was just going to give a quick and easy way to get it. Uh, probably ought to explain what it is. Uh, it's just uh, an info uh, utility that. Uh, tell you what what you got on your system it's uh it's nice for uh when somebody asks post that uh in uh linux cranks rc oops maybe i will okay that's uh that's all all it takes on uh ubuntu to get it uh minor changes uh we'll we'll put it on arch change the app get to uh pacman and that that's all it takes to install it it's uh will uh, give you a pretty complete listing of, uh, of what your uh, what your hardware is. I'll, uh, it'll give you an output looks something like that in the IRC. Uh, it has uh, five different uh, verbose levels that uh, you can uh, you can really maximize the info. But you know uh, you abuse it on uh, hash Linux cranks, and uh, if I don't kick you, uh, Jay Lindsay will. How's that? <laughs> That the new machine there as yeah that's the new one nice. it's just idling i n x i is the new version of infobash right yeah though it's a fork of infobash so some of them weren't happy uh, where uh, where infobash was going and so they changed it took off on their own i think you just wanted to show off your new machine with this output absolutely <laughs> <laughs> no actually uh this is this is left over from uh, two weeks ago when uh, you wouldn't let us. Uh, uh, you run us out of time before we could put our uh, commands out. Ah, so this is the command of the week. No, I got one of them too. <laughs> the belated command of the week. Then. Yeah, it was a command of the week two weeks ago that I didn't get to spout. So this is still written in Bash, right? Yeah, it's a, it is a, a bash script, I believe, but I uh, I had to go back and look at it again. But I I think it's actually uh, uses Perl to uh, get all the info, and you do have to install Gawk if you don't already have it on your system. It does require Gawk. I hate Gawk stuff. Yeah, I installed it today. I was going to show off my kernel on this uh, K FreeBSD on Debian. But it it needed things that this uh, that this setup doesn't have, like LS, PCI, and a bunch of other things. So it didn't work. Well, if you're running Linux, you probably have. Well, I'm running GNU. It's it's all GNU. 
It doesn't have LSPCI though. No. Maybe did you try it as root. Maybe maybe it's normal user just doesn't have access to LSPCI. No, it's not even installed. It's not even in. The, I mean, I don't know what package it's part of, but it, it's not even installed. Okay. But when we talked about that last night, Claude, too, with that about the K-free BSD kernel in Debian. Yeah. Yeah, it took probably about 20 minutes to install. Cool. And uh, how's it running so far? I mean, it's running... I mean, I'm probably only used it two hours total. I mean, it's running pretty good. Yeah. It's it's using the Debian SID repos. Wow. So I don't think it's going to be a very stable system for a kernel right now. I mean, for a server. Right. Just too many updates. But it's not officially released anyways. This is all for testing. So how easy was the download? Do they have like a, a an ISO pretty easily available on the site? I didn't see one right away when I was there last night, but I didn't really look either. No, I looked all over for an ISO, and I could not find one. But I I was looking into that uh, the GNU herd kernel. Yeah. And and then I ran across a bunch of ISOs. Okay. For all of them, so I'll go ahead okay. and post that in, in the uh, chat room. It's at a. Uh, the Georgia Tech FTP, and it looks like the latest one is from August. Oh, okay. But it's a it's a just a typical free BSD installer, but a lot of things are incomplete right now. So when you when you fire it up, you just do the expert install, set everything up, and then once it it completes installing the packages, it's going to ask you if you want to reboot or or set some more things up. Just go ahead and reboot because the the next screen it takes you to, nothing works. Ah, okay. It's it's like incomplete because it's gonna, you know, if you go there to create a root password, it'll take you to a blank screen, and you you won't know what if you're typing. I mean, you could type in a password, but you got to make sure you don't make a mistake because the screen's blank. Okay. And then once I rebooted it, I mean, it worked. I just had to set up my network. Um, that was it. It uses apt-get. I mean, it uses De- everything Debian said. Wow, interesting. And it's using the FreeBSD, of course, kernel, and it's using the the standard FreeBSD file system. Oh, okay. But with these ISOs, it's pretty easy to install. All right. Sorry, as I stole your spotlight. Anything else? Oh, uh, no. Uh, I was just thinking that was pretty good for somebody to claim they didn't have anything. <laughs> well, I had to make something up. But you know what? I'm, I think I'm going to run this for a couple weeks, and I'll I'll let you know how it turns out if you guys are interested. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested. Are you, so are you thinking of putting it on your server then, or or, or not, because you don't think it's going to be good for that? Well, it's on the server now, but it's on a different oh, partition. Okay. Just a partition I use for testing. But I think I'm just going to leave it on there for a couple of weeks and maybe do normal things on it like I usually would do and just see how it turns out. Yeah. All right, let's move on. What do you got for us, Claude, too? Um, well, I've got um, K-Develop which if uh, anyone, I mean, a lot of people use stuff out of KDevelop already, but the new KDevelop that they're working on right now has um, a new version of Quanta Plus, and Quanta Plus is a GUI application for really like HTML, CSS, XML, probably other things as well, but I primarily use it for those. But uh, it's a really, really nice little application for coding all your web stuff in. It's got like auto-completion of a lot of tags for you. Um, it's got really smart 
auto-completion. Like if you're doing, if you've got a, a folder of images that you want to put on a web, you know, that are going to go onto the web page, and if you're in that folder while you're while you're coding the page, you can, you know, you do an image source equals, and then it'll pop up with all the images in that folder. So you can just auto, you know, you can just select really quickly which image you want to paste in there, basically. So it's it's really really nice text editor for website kinds of things. And right now, the official release of Quanta Plus is still in the 3.5 series. So you need all the KDE 3 libs in order to use it. But the K develop in development right now is going to have uh, Quanta, I guess Quanta 4, I think is what they're going to call it. So it's, it hasn't been released yet, but it, it's kind of cool to play around with. But generally speaking, Quanta Plus is a really cool application. If you haven't used it and you're looking for a good text editor for web coding and stuff like that, you might want to take a look at it. And it's on kdevelop.org. Or I think there's another site, too, that I should have had up, and I think I navigated away from But just Google Quanta Plus. It'll, it'll find it for you. Very nice. Have you looked at that QT Creator yet, Klaatu? Yeah, but those programs, I don't even know what to do with those things. Those are so beyond me. I mean, they look pretty and 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 cool and stuff. And I'm gonna I'm gonna look at it for. Uh, I want to do that that coding tutorial that I mentioned either last week or the week before um, with the FFmpeg you know front end just just for kicks. But other than that, I really don't know what to do with those kinds of applications. Yeah, you mentioned that on Linux Cranks. Okay. Yeah, Linux Cranks. Yeah, I fired um, it up right after that. Yeah. And started making. Uh, it was just a media player. From that Tux Radar site. Cool. I'll put that in the show notes for this one too. Yeah, you should. Uh, I started doing that one. It's it's really nice to QT Creator. I mean, just drag and drop and fill in the blanks. Really. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I haven't done it yet, but I'm gonna. I want to try it for sure. Yeah, the QT Creator is from Troll Tra- is from Troll Tech or Nokia, whoever they are now. Uh, whereas K Develop, I guess, is specific to a lot of KDE stuff. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's all C++, right? Yeah. Okay. See, that's the bad thing with, with this thing. You can create all these pretty programs and just fill in the blanks and not really learn anything <clears throat> besides how to use the QT creator. Right. I guess I'm you okay. <laughs> I guess you will pick up a little bit of programming, yeah. but... Yeah, I mean, I've got... I, I downloaded from SVN the KDevelop and KDev platform uh, packages... For, for the new K-Develop, and uh, it's looking pretty good. I think they're going to, I imagine they're going to release fairly soon here. I mean, I don't really know. I'm probably, you know, obviously just barely grazing the surface of what they intended to do, but it all looks pretty good to me so far. But in terms of what I understand to use, Quanta Plus is about as deep as I can actually go. Well, when I find a link for that one, I'll put it in the show notes. Oh, what, Quanta or the Tux Radar thing? Uh, the Quantum Plus. Um, I will paste it in for you. All right. And before we move on to art, did you guys, did anybody here try the new K Office? Yeah. How I is it? That. Um, it's it's really it's good. It's I've been with it since some of the early betas, um, and a lot of the the little problems that I was having with some buttons and stuff um, have gotten fixed. And then there's um, I've, I'm still having some trouble with importing some really weird sort of like. Uh, um, what is it? Microsoft uh, Word documents, like some of the ones with like tables and stuff in it from from Word. 
don't seem to gracefully import into K-Office, um, although they do import, but there's a little bit of weirdness that you have to do to, to get it to, to cooperate. But overall, I mean, I use, on my on my Slackware machine, K-Office is the one that I use. Uh, you know, I don't have OpenOffice installed at all on my Slackware machine, and uh, it works really nicely so far. I'm I'm liking it. Yeah, as soon as it's, as it's available for uh, Debian, I'm going to try it. Right now it's incomplete. There's a few things missing. So I'm using OpenOffice right now. Yeah. I mean, OpenOffice, I mean, I use both. OpenOffice I use on my Fedora boxes and Boxen. And um, it it just feels so smooth and so polished and so, yeah, it's just a, it's just super reliable for, for what I do and stuff like that. K-Office, I, I you know, if I'm going to bring a computer over to someone and say, here's your new Linux computer, K-Office would not be the, the application I would put on their computer. But for what I do with it, it it's, it's fine. But I, I do see little glitches here and there sometimes. All right. Let's move on to Art. You were talking about apt-get before. And I ran across this article about how to speed up your apt-get with Axel. Has anybody heard of this? A-X-E-L actually accelerates your HTTP or FTP downloads by using multiple sources for one file. Um, I'll put in the... Here's a link to the article that I ran across. And I'll also put in another article that was with this too. You have to download this axle and then you run a little script, yeah. And when you when you use this, you'll you'll use app fast instead of app get. And you can use it for upgrading. You can use it for installing. It uh, seems to be quite a quite a pretty good process. From what I was reading about, I have not used it personally, but I was reading some things people were using it. It seemed to be received very well. This is another little blog about it and gives you some more details on it. I said I have not used it myself. I just ran across it today. You know, I'm trying to figure out um, what's slow about AppKit. Is it, you mean like the download speed? Well, I guess on on upgrades and you know when you do a uh, you know lately you run across a lot of uh, updates. And upgrades. I don't know why. I mean, I don't think it's slow either, but this just seems to be pretty cool. Uh, this sounds something like the the one in Pac-Man uh, that that replaces Pac-Man and Arch. When you do a, a, an upgrade, uh, it will uh, download more than one at a time. It'll download them parallel rather than serially. Yeah, that's what I got out of this uh, article. Yeah, okay. Uh, Pac-Man Wiki uh, or the ArchWiki has uh, a command uh, in it that uh, you can add to the system that will do the same thing, but I can't remember what the name is. I told you where to find it, so if you run Arch, you might want to look it up. Hey, Lindy, have you ever heard of Axel? I have not. No. Sounds pretty cool, though. Yeah, like I said, I just stumbled across this and thought, well, might be something people might be interested in. I would say it would be good for somebody with limited bandwidth, you know, uh, like Peter, who's on time, you know, he has a certain amount of time a month. This must speed up updates 
Do you remember that we talked about something a long time ago, Linux cranks, where it was like it turned like what like was AppKit, but it used file sharing? Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Vaguely. Where you would like download, or it'd be like a BitTorrent, I think maybe, where you would download from like hundreds of people at a time. Yeah. The way it's ex- explained, it almost seems that way. I mean, I don't know how they how they would do it any other ways. I mean, unless they're picking up multiple mirrors, but, uh, you know, like I said, I never got into this Axel program. I guess that would be the thing that would tell you the most about it. Yeah, it is. It's pretty neat. Something different, but I I, I just like things the way they're supposed to be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, uh, you know, this would be something to try on a different machine. Power pill. Stutz is saying power pill. Does that sound familiar? Uh, hey, that's, yeah, that's the one. And if and if I read it right, it it's really only effective on uh, you know when you're mul- downloading or upgrading uh, multiple uh, files because it will uh, pull several files at the same time, and which uh, it may, well that that actually makes it work something like uh, you you would have with uh, a torrent. Yeah, that's that's what it seems to be. Uh, but like I said, if it speeds up a download, then. Well, it'll let you use what bandwidth you got. You know, most of most of these uh, mirrors, uh, or a lot of them anyway, will only uh, allow uh, 50 uh, kilobyte second downloads. And uh, so, you know, if you're uh, uh, taking multiple files, uh, you're uh, you can use up your bandwidth a whole lot faster and uh, get it over and done with. Yeah, especially if you're upgrading a couple machines. You know, if you're not doing it through the through a network. Upgrade. So you're going to but test it out for us? I uh, yes, I will, uh, and I will report back. If you see any IRC one day that smoke, I draw smoke signals or something. You'll know what happened. <laughs> uh, I would definitely test it out. I'll, maybe I'll put Ubuntu back on something else and then do the update. That should download about a hundred packages. Actually, I just see they released Linux Mint eight. I'll try it on that. Yeah, I've seen that on DistroWatch. That's the newest one, I think, right, for today? Yeah, yep. I like Mint. I'm a good luck with it on a couple machines. Yeah, that's what I throw on people's computers that are new to Linux. It has everything on it, I mean. Even though it's not right. Well, depends on what the definition of right is. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, if you want them to use it, it's certainly going to save you the phone calls of... How come I can't get YouTube working or can't watch this video? I like getting those phone calls. Then I can just go on a religious diatribe about Flash is evil. <laughs> they seem to be followed up quickly by phone calls requesting you, for me to put say, XP back on their fedora, computers. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. When we preach to people about Flash and non-free codecs, they look at us like we're crazy people. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> people already look at me like I'm a crazy person. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it's the free software thing that gets them. Yeah, that's true. I forgot. I look crazy. Oh, you of yeah. all people look crazy. You don't think I about mean, that kind of thing. I mean, you're no Jay Lindsay, but... <laughs> in the Windows world, you don't think about that kind of thing. You just click next as fast as possible. That's yeah. Correct. Well, this is the first segue. Speaking of crazy, what do you have for us, 330? <laughs> well, I've got two ways I could go with this. I could talk about the League for Programming Freedom or a Free Software Foundation endorsed netbook. 
one yeah, you guys want to hear about. that oh, one. All right. All right um, the Free Software Foundation is doing this thing. Here, I'll post the, the link before I get too into this. Which one did we pick? <laughs> I, I don't know. Everybody said that one, so I figured it was the last one. Somebody yelled out, they both sound boring. <laughs> Who is that? I don't know. Man, that's mean. Rude. Uh, it's actually pretty cool. Uh, the Free Software Foundation has this uh, this endorsement program called Protects Your Freedom. So, um, and this was announced in the uh, Free Software Foundation newsletter. But uh, in December, there should there's going to be a netbook running GNU Sense, and on the packaging there will be a little sticker that says Protects Your Freedom, and they're hoping that it will become like the the Vista compatible and you know all those retarded labels. You but it'll respect, you know, respects your freedom. Is that what you said? It's a protect. protects you. In the the article, it says it both ways. Okay. But um, yeah, it's the it's a netbook running GNU sense, and everything will work without any proprietary drivers or anything like that. And they hope that the the symbol will let people know that you know here's hardware and software that will not restrict you in any way, and have fun with it. I'm I'm all for that, but I have a feeling there's going to be a hundred and fifty, two hundred dollar plus price tag for it. These things are never cheap. Well, so where does this netbook book come from? Like, I mean, who, who? I mean, what company is making it? You know, I mean, like the hardware. The the first product will be announced in December, but they're they're announcing the the program ahead of time so that they can coax people like me into talking about it. Right, but who um. Like, I mean, does it say who's making the hardware? I mean, I assume that FSF is not sitting there making computers. Oh, no, they're not They're not building anything. Um, from what I read, no, it, they don't They don't have any information on that. Okay. They're not going to be like MacBooks or anything? <laughs> Modified? I severely doubt it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It might not be that expensive. You, know, you don't really know. I'm all for it, as long as the prices are competitive. Right, yeah. And I needed a netbook, I would definitely go for it. You mean you wouldn't buy the new Google netbook that they're going to come out with? That's going to be free. Yeah. Google's just going to give those away. If they are, I'll take one. Because they're making $3.8 billion a quarter. Off of nothing. First thing I do is uh, wipe the drive clean and put Debian on it. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly unimpressed or underwhelmed, I guess would be the term with the uh, the Chrome OS sneak peeks or whatever. Or maybe it was Chromium OS. I don't know. Well, it's just uh, one guy I was listening to on, what was it, uh, not Tux Radar, one of the podcasts I was listening to. was the, Maybe it was a Dvorax. might have been his cranky geek stick. They were talking about it. And uh, he said that, uh, the guy said, well, for my mom and dad, it would be great because all they do is search the web, and do email. He said that would be the ideal netbook for them. They couldn't get themselves in any trouble. The only thing I can think of that would suck about the whole thing is being stuck inside the Googleverse. Yeah, but you don't work, so you don't know anything about the corporate people that use things like that. Well, I don't I don't know any corporate people other than Chad that use Google stuff because most of them are afraid of Google having all of that you know, all of their, their sensitive corporate information. They don't give a shit. As long as uh, maybe the business be people I know are just crazy. 
Wow. No, I mean, in my limited uh, experience, 330, I've had the same uh, and very limited experience. But that's the, the people, the, the corporation that I worked for didn't want any of their information with Google either. So everything was done, like, internally. Email is supposed to be quite a hot number in the corporate world now. Uh, like I said, the only people I know that, well, it's really big in schools. But I I don't know any corporate people that are using Gmail for your domain. Ever, almost every school I know is, but that's usually because they're extremely lazy. Yeah, I don't. I I can't see a corporation using Gmail. There'd be no way for the 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 company to actually spy on their employees because you know, the employee could just change their password, right? I don't know because they have a corporate version of it. Ah, uh, that's right. I forgot. That's right. They do have like Google Enterprise or something, right? Yep. Yeah, I yeah. totally forgot about that. Yeah, I tried to set it up once. You actually have to already have an infrastructure set up before you can actually use it. And you have to know what your IP address is, right? <laughs> <laughs> you have to know a lot more than that. It was For someone who was setting up a network for the first time, it was a huge pain in the ass. I can imagine. And now I'm just glad that I couldn't. This was before... I'd had my, my Google epiphany. It doesn't matter. You use wireless. They're listening anyway. Well, not on mine. 256-bit encrypted AES? Yeah, go ahead. I dare you. I was waiting for Art. Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say it. Oh, I thought you were going to, oh, yeah, well. And then I was no. going to then I was gonna like break it up and then move in. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Dang it. That was my segue. Uh, sorry. Send him back to a neutral corner. They, me and Art prefer fighting in public, in, in you know, actual public, yeah, together. It's like a cockfight. Uh, yeah, yeah. Except for it's a little different. I don't think we want to discuss that on air, but it's it's a little different. Well, it's time to move on before this gets serious. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for everybody got their story in, right? What about Jay Lindsay? Yeah. You're not supposed to. You're supposed to talk for yourself, Klaatu. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Jay Lindsay didn't have one today. I thought we were supposed to like tell on people who didn't. Like, you know. Rat him out. Rat him out. <laughs> All right, it's time for command of the week. Asmuth, you're up first. Is anyone going to write us a theme song for the command of the week? I keep waiting for one, but nothing yet. Should I just use the Lennox Cranks theme? <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, I'll go ahead and play it now. Oh, yeah. You like that? Oh, that was great. Still like porno music, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, Cranks is kind of like porn. All right, Command of the Week. <laughs> Azmuth, you're first. Okay, well, this is for uh, uh, Simple HTTP TTP Server. And uh, go ahead and post that uh, in the IRC. And basically, you just set up a, an, an alias uh, and uh, call it WebShare. The alias is uh, for Python. Import uh, simple HTTP server, and uh, I don't know. Well, it, it's in there. It, it's in the IRC. You can see the the punctuation and the, get the syntax right on it. But uh, what this is is a temporary uh, server which uh, will. Uh, It'll start a server on uh, the local host on port uh, 8000 that uh, you can use uh, from anywhere 
Well, you can use anywhere on uh, that can get to your uh, to your the IP address. Yeah, 330. I appreciate this to the IP address of your your machine that you set it up on, and whether you know if you if you have a a, a whole three router that uh, that can access that port uh, can be accessed from the web, or you can use it on your LAN. And where this uh, simple server is uh, is really nice is uh, you know if you have a lot of files that that you you want to mess with, and you and you can just use your web browser to to browse through them and uh, uh, pick out the ones you want to uh, download. And it's uh, particularly nice if uh, you have a, a file that you want somebody to be able to get. Well, you start the server up and uh, they can get the file. And uh, when once it's got, well, you just hit Control-C and it's all over with. And you, you've closed your machine back up uh, so that, you know, you, you don't need any security or anything else on it. It's just... It's just for uh, temporary use. Uh, get in, get out. Don't make a big deal about it. It's like giving somebody a temporary uh, user, right? Yeah. Now, what Except, you have to do? Oh, sorry. Go well, ahead. Well, once you set the web, you know, you set the web alias up. Well, you just uh, you just cd into what, whatever directory you want to uh, serve and uh, type web share on the command line and. Uh, and it's there. It'll it'll pop up and it'll tell you that uh, it started on uh, IP zero point zero point zero point zero port eighty or port uh, eight thousand rather, and uh, that that'll be uh, lo local host on your machine, and you can check it out with your own uh, your own browser. You know, open up Firefox and uh, and just type in local host uh, port eighty eight or uh, Keep getting 80, port 8,000, and uh, there it is. So in order to let someone, like if I was setting this up and I wanted you, Asimov, to come get a file, I'd have to punch a hole in my firewall. Is that correct? Yeah, you'd, you'd have to have a hole in your firewall that, okay. uh, that somebody can get there. But if you don't have a hole in your firewall, you just use this on your LAN. Right, right. Okay, cool. And, you know, won't. Say if you have several files, you know, in, in one directory and maybe a file in another directory that you want somebody to get. Well, as soon as they get them in the one directory, well, you just hit Control-C, move to uh, the the other directory that has the other files, and just type uh, web share, and it'll uh, serve that directory. Or you could just make a folder and copy and paste them both into a folder and just let them take the folder, right? Well, if if... You, if you want to do all that, or if you you just want to let them get them where they are and not, and not worry about it, I find you know I get get to copying things around the folders. I end up with folders with duplications of everything in them. Yeah, but do you have to change permissions on a the folder then? No, this uh, the, this don't worry about permissions. This this should go. This is uh, like I say, th this is completely un unsecure. So you want to run it all the time, but for a, for a quick uh, get in and get out situation, uh, it couldn't be simpler. That sounds great. Like if you wanted somebody to pick some pictures off or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah exactly. That would be really nice. Yeah. Exactly. It would be a whole lot nicer than, uh, you know, sending them to Dropbox to pick them up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that would work really nice. I have to mess with that. And if you got Python on your machine, uh, you, you should have this. Simple server should be there. Oh, that's cool. So it's like part of Python just by default. 
Yeah. Oh, cool. Earth's in Python 2.6 anyway. Okay. And that's it. Nice. Sweet. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, wait a minute. That isn't either it. Uh-oh. I need to give. I need to give. Do. Uh, you can. Uh, you can thank uh, Foscast for that one. And anybody that's not familiar with Foscast, they are some of the best tutorials uh, I've seen since uh, Chet went away, or Chess Griffin went away, rather. Yeah, I think I t- talked about Foscast um, on Linux Cranks or something. Yeah, Maybe well, it was a uh, for for Tit or something. Yeah, it was it was on uh, on one of our shows that uh, somebody mentioned it, and I went over and uh, and got the whole. The whole batch of them. He's got about eleven uh, tutorials over there, and they're all uh, they're they're video tutorials, but they're they're screen videos, not uh, not not pictures of his beautiful face, you know. <laughs> and right. uh, you you can follow through, and and they're, they're really easy to understand. He's good at explaining what he's what he's doing, and uh, makes it simple and easy. Re- really impressed, and uh, and need to give him the credit on this. Boss Cass. Oh, Cass, sorry. I yeah, think Foscast. it's with an S. Dot com. Yeah, yes. F-O-S-S-C-A-S-T-S dot com. Got it. Yes, 13 of them here so far. Nice. Yeah. Got Og. Got Og. Nice. Oh, yeah, they are Og. Yep, that's nice. IP tables. Oh, we're working on them in school. Oh, my God. A lot of good stuff on here. Oh, yeah. Yes, it's it's all good. I mean, you know, we we will forget on a, a VM on an Apple machine, but uh, he, he does a great job on Linux. Well, that's just that command is a nice command, too. Yeah, that was a cool one. Yeah, that's a really nice command. Well, the the one command he got in there that's really nice for Ubuntu users is uh, everybody that's ever run Ubuntu has always done an app yet and forget to put sudo in front of it. Right. And rather than uh, rather than you know back up and pull it out and go to the first line and add sudo, uh, all, all you got to do is uh, just type sudo bang bang and uh, and it will pull the last command it had up uh, and put it, it behind to it, it. Right? Yep. Yeah, just adds it, it on. Yeah, that's I read that a long time back. Yeah, see, that's one of those commands that you forget. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, very nice. Yes, let's let's move on to J Man. Yeah, uh, not quite as exciting as the last one, but uh, I found this program uh, pretty interesting. Uh, it's called pinfo. Now, the info pages are probably installed on your system, and they're probably taking up space anyway. So why not put them to use? And most people don't like the default info program because it has a very Emacs-like interface. It uses the Emacs shortcut keys, and and it, it just doesn't look great. But uh, pinfo puts you in a, a links style uh, interface, and uh, your forward and uh, back arrow keys let you navigate through the uh, documentation. And you've got uh, some VI style uh, navigation. That's p pinfo, just pinfo. Right. Okay, because I have to. It's not on Ubuntu by default then. Not uh, by default either, from what I can yeah. tell. Got to do according to this. You got to do a sudo apt get. According to Slacker, you have to go to the site and download the source code and compile it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think it's pretty unfortunate that uh, 
not a lot of people use the info pages. Yeah, the I info think pages are great. I think it's mostly a problem with the interface and how you access them. But you said it's p-info makes it better, right? Right. Oh, that's they can download it, that's for sure. Yeah, actually they have it in uh, FBOPKG, so... Oh, nice. It's actually quite easy to install. There you go, see? Yeah, that's pretty nice. You really know how to pick them. <laughs> I don't know. We should probably wrap up the show, but we'll give we'll give Claude Two a chance to top that one. Oh, there's no way I can top that one, but but this is kind of useful. Um, there is, or rather, a couple of people were asking me how to find files on Linux, and I know that there's like things like um, Beagle and, and stuff like that. Um, I just I never use those things really, so ter- turns out there's. Uh, the find command and I mean find is a pretty big command and I realize that and a lot of people know how to use it really really well and they can integrate it into all kinds of cool bash commands that that do all kinds of crazy things but just in terms of like actually utilizing it to just find some file that maybe you you've misplaced or or you download something and you're not really sure where it went uh, there are a couple of different different options that you can use with with find. Um, The easiest one is simply uh, find your home directory, so find uh, tilde, and then dash type f, meaning that it's just a normal file, and then dash i name, giving it a case insensitive name, and then just in single quotes, you know, whatever kind of file it is, like wildcard.og int you know, close, single quote. And that will find within your home directory a file with the name that ends in .org or whatever. And you can do all kinds of little switches onto that, like giving it a certain, uh, you know, a date of creation, um, creation time, uh, or what user it belongs to, or, you know, just all kinds of, like, little qualifiers to help you narrow down your search. But just generally speaking, for me at least, find tilde dash type f dash i name and then whatever the name whatever part of the name I know to look for pretty much works for me so that's an easy way to uh, find things very nice can you put that formula in the chat room yeah just makes it easier for the show notes yeah alright very handy anything else not for me what's the difference between find and locate well locate I I think uses a little database um, on the back end, I, I believe, whereas find, I believe, just literally is almost like a grep. I could be wrong on both of those things. Oh, no, it sounds like SoundChaser agrees with me. He says that uh, locate uses an indexed database. Yeah, usually the, uh, the update DB command is run from a cron job at night. That's what I thought, yeah. And you would want to use find if, uh, you know... The files are newer than the database that was created. Oh, as in something you put on there today. Right. Gotcha. I mean, I guess you can also do, like, some kind of list. You know, you could go to the, the root of your home folder and or the, the base of your home folder and then do, like, a list-l wildcard and then grep what you think you're looking for so that you're, like, looking through all the directories in your home folder or whatever that would be, but... I don't know, find just is a much simpler command for me, and it's a lot easier to tell other people how to use it, I think. 
rather than trying to come up with some fancy, you know, descendant recursive search through all of your directories and piping that into grep. So I just use find. Or actually, I don't use it that often, but some people um, some people have been asking me how they can find stuff, so that's, that's what I've been I've been telling them to use, and it's been working pretty well. I want to thank the chat room because got some good explanations going on here. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, so Chaker, Chaser makes another good point. If you don't get the options right for the LS, you don't get the full path. So you found the file, but you still have no idea where the, the file is potentially. On locate or find? On uh, on the LS. Well, I was saying that. Remember, I, I said you could do like an LS dash LAR wildcard dot org pipe grep. You know, whatever. Um, you wouldn't get the full path of that. So find it. It gives you a really nice output. It's like here's everything that ends in, for instance, dot org. You know, and here's exactly where it is on your on, on in right, your home that's folder. So, absolute yeah. path, right? Gives you the absolute path. Yep. Yep. Yeah. See, I'm learning. Wow, Monster B is just doing an open invitation for people to call in. Wow, look at that. I thought we could end the show with uh, some call-ins. Sure. That's a good idea. Sure. Now that we don't have that guy from the other side of the country that nobody can understand. Yeah. As soon as somebody calls in, Peter would just talk talk about something else. Yeah. You know. He'd, he'd talk about kangaroos or boating or, you know, something like that. Or a dingo stealing his baby. Eating or stealing? Well, I, I assume they steal it and then eat it. I, I doubt they're going to eat it right there in the crib. It. I would be a little uncomfortable. Just use it for a toy. I don't know if you use Australian kids as toys. If he ever comes to the States, he's probably going to punch you. <laughs> probably. Hey, he's already offered uh, a hit on you, so... <laughs> You weren't supposed to tell him that. Uh, well, I might as well keep him jumping. He don't know which one of us took the hit. <laughs> don't worry, 3.30. I can't wait to meet you itself again. <laughs> well, we do have a caller, Sound Chaser. All right. Hello, hello. Hello. There he is. Hello. How's it going, guys? Good. How are you? Not bad. Trying to figure Thank out why sound juicer is so slow. Thank you for the info on IRC there. Oh, no problem. So you got any good news for us? Good news? Well... Okay, you got any news? Somehow <laughs> the conversation seems to have devolved back into uh, discussing Prawn again when you're looking for duplicate files. <laughs> right, which, which is where I came in this afternoon. <laughs> ah, so it's all your fault. Yeah. Actually, I saw the guy save a uh, Gen 2 system using the find command. He actually had to go through, he was trying to restore a backup, and the tarball was telling him that uh, he had future dates on his system, so he had to go and touch every file on his system to put the date back to a previous date. Oh, that's How did he get future dates on it? He has no idea. That's the beauty of backing up, I think. Yeah, I Lucia, yeah he had the backup, but he just couldn't restore it. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've, I don't know how many people have either begged me or paid me to go and fix their, you know, recover them from like a botched backup process. Not on Linux though, but but uh, backing up and recovering from backup seems to be a sort of a chore sometimes. Well, isn't that the first thing they teach you? Make sure your backup is good. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but it's so hard to get people to uh, 
back up at all, much less to actually yeah. check to see if it's working. Yeah, the place that, goes, that I work at actually goes through a disaster recovery drill every year, I think mm-hmm. it is. And guess what we have to do? We actually have to rebuild servers from backups. Nice. So if we can't do that, then, uh, well, that's kind of a failure. Absolutely. You, you're doing off-site backups on the tape, or...? Uh, they're on-site backups on the tape, but then they get archived off-site. And then the the, the disaster recovery, stored. yeah, they're they're stored they're stored in a secure vault. Right, so you can get to them pretty easy then. They can get to them. Um, I we can't as employees directly. We can't get to them. Right, right. You actually have to have clearance to actually get to them. Now, what did they do? Did they did they do a restore from both off-site and the tape that make sure they both worked or? Just one well, or the other. What we have is basically a, a, a colo location that we actually restore the t- we actually restore tapes at that site onto a whole different set of servers from remote locations. Um, are we talking Unix servers or the we are other talking, ones? We are talking all of them. Uh-huh. We're talking Unix, Linux, the name we don't say. The M word. Yes, that, that uh, M <coughs> word. We may even have a uh, an A word in there too. Oh no! Mm, really? They use that software? There is actually a few A word servers in the company. That those are probably the couple of the only ones in the world. Are they actually, they're running the, the latest version. I have no idea. I got nowhere near that stuff. <laughs> so I didn't no, even I'm, know I'm, they were making server software. Heck yeah. Yeah, they've, they've, it's not a well-known fact, but yeah, they do. It's ironic, though, both places I've worked at where I've been a, a server administrator has actually had a server. Wow. Which I've been surprised by. We don't want to spread that around. <laughs> well, they've also only had, like, two or three total. doesn't matter. That's two or three too many. <laughs> well, compared to the 1,500 other servers. <laughs> yeah, it's just a drop in the bucket. Yeah. What's there a reason for running that? Do you do you know the like why they I don't exist? E- like, um, I think at the my previous company it was specifically for multimedia applications, yeah, graphics, right? Yeah, publication, printing, stuff like that. At this company, I don't know why. Interesting. Oh yeah, interesting challenge. See, it's not just a job; it's an adventure. And sometimes it's more than that. Like, I got a call from my boss on Wednesday while I was driving to my parents' house for Thanksgiving, wanting me to look at an email. Tell him you're not allowed to look at your phone while you're driving? <laughs> oh, he got lucky. He caught me when I had stopped to get gas. I just still make the noise. <laughs> I can't talk to you right now. <laughs> I figured it wasn't a good time to do that. They're, they're just in the process of uh, hiring me on permanently from being on contract with them. I thought that wouldn't yeah. be a good way to, to impress them. <laughs> but the fun and ironic part of the whole thing was I couldn't check my email because uh, they hired me on permanently. Well, they actually made me a final offer the day my contract ended and my accounts expired. <laughs> <laughs> so he's calling me the day after my accounts expired and said, hey, can you look at this email? And finally, I got stopped someplace where I actually had a Wi-Fi connection that tried to get in, and I called him and said, nope, I can't look at it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's what they get for waiting until the last minute. Oh, yeah. An offer. Well, it must be good because you're still working there, so. Yep. 
good enough at least have a job. That's the important part. Let me ask you something. What kind of what kind of certificates were they looking for when you went and applied there? They were not looking for certificates. The uh, my my manager is the person. Actually, I interviewed with two managers at the company, and both of them were reasonably technical. And literally, the first interview I went for was actually a slightly different uh, job than what I'm in. It was actually more of an architecture position. And so the manager that interviewed me there basically gave me a scenario that was to design a system that they had just done. And he, I mean, actually I had to diagram it out, the whole thing. And then he compared it against what they had as a proposal. And I was within, I think, I had two or three things different. And it was only because I didn't know certain things about their network environment. Very nice. Do they run uh, Do they run uh, intrusion detection systems on there? And oh, yeah. Yes, IPSs, they have to. IPSs and everything? Yeah. Well, in fact, one of the things I'm in charge of is the uh, our SFTP server. And I'll tell you what, <clears throat> over, I believe, in Korea or Asia or someplace, who keeps trying to break in. And it's uh, kind of funny to watch it happen. Is that the old honeypot up yet? Yeah, well, you know, this guy's never going to get in. He's throwing standard dictionaries of words at, at our server. Oh, all right. And it, it ain't going to happen. Nice to watch, though, isn't it? Oh, it gets hilarious. I mean, I go through the logs every day and probably about twice a week. All of a sudden, one of the logs will be just huge. I'll go and look, and there'll be, you know, 22,000 login attempts. And you can just see, just break down the list, all alphabetical. <laughs> yeah, that's that's neat to look at. Well, the funny thing about it is the guy doesn't even change his IP address between attempts. So they're all connected to the same IP address. This guy's like amateur hour, you know? Yeah, but he's got a program set up to do it. I mean, it's just running. Yeah, the only thing he does is he changes dictionaries occasionally. Picks up a different file, right? Yep. I'm going for some certificates now. I just went through the uh, Red Hat, uh, what do they call it, the, the Quick Path, the uh, Quick Start yeah. program for the certification, and the week we had the class, I was fighting off an upper respiratory infection. So I'd literally go be in the class all day, come home, pass out, get up at 5.30 in the morning, and go back to the next class. Needless to say, by the end of that week, I wasn't doing so hot. I sat down and took the test, passed the certified technician part of it, and completely botched the, the certified engineer part of it. Like, to the point where I hit enter and went, don't! Because I, I knew what I had done was wrong. I basically did something to a file system you should never do. Oh, uh, boy. <laughs> and starting this Cisco. The Cisco courses in a month. Oh, fun. Yeah. Actually, it's not bad because I know a couple guys that are already going through them, so that kind of gives me heads up on what's asked for. I, you know, I tell you, Red Hat, they, they try to put the fear of God into you about that stuff. I mean, they tell you if you if you talk about any of the content on the tests or anything, yeah. they, will yank your, they will yank your certification and they may even sue you. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So that's why my very vague description of... of what I did during the exam is what I gave you because that's all I can. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, a lot of it is uh, it's out there anyway, you know. Mm-hmm. If you want to find the information, you can find it. Oh, yeah. 
to uh, retake that test, is, is it going to cost you the full price? Yep, it's going to cost the full price. Wow. But fortunately, if I pass it, my work will reimburse me for it. So I, won't be out, so I won't be out 750 bucks for it. And since yeah. I took the class at the company, I didn't have to pay the 2500 for the class. The company sponsored the class? Yep. Before I end this thing, uh, that is your nickname, right? Sound Chaser? Yep, that's it. Now, are you a musician? No, but that, that's the name of an old Yes song. I was going to ask if that's where you got it from. Yep, that's it. Cool. Yeah, it's a great song. Great band. Great yeah, song. You'll never hear another song like that one from them. Yeah. So you guys ready for Terry F's Song of the Week? Ooh, yeah. That's our new segment for the end now. Oh, cool. Song of the Week. I have no idea what it is. Fantastic. As long as, hey, as, long as you don't let Dan pick them. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> See you guys in a couple weeks for uh, Tit Radio. Hey, sounds good. All right, good night, guys. Good night, everybody. Good night. Hey, everybody. Call recording has been completed. Hey, this is Terry from the Juiced Penguin, and I'm here to end tonight's Tit Radio with a song. No, I'm not going to sing, unless you want me to. (laughs) This is a band named Cactus with a song called Shine. I think even Peter64 might like this one.
Thank you for listening to Hack the Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.